This week on Ultra 64, now this is not pod racing. Welcome to Ultra 64, we are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Every single week we come through and we play a randomly selected Nintendo 64 game. Uh, my name is Stika. I am non-anime affiliated speed racer Woody Siskowski. And uh, I'm going to introduce Ollie Brady, this is the second time for us being a peek behind the curtain because I screwed up the recording. So, hello again, Ollie Brady. We have moved into the past, we, we lost three minutes of life we- to never get back. <laughs> And just to make to make things even more special, I realized I was supposed to make the pod racing sound. All right, everyone. We're <laughs> you said this again. is not pod racing. Start it over. One more time. Just put that in post. Just take that and put it after the Okay, intro. that's I'm I'm gonna make a soundboard and that's going on there. Will you do it? Will you make a couple more futuristic racing sounds for us, Ollie, just I so we, we can them. sputter them along the podcast. Whoa! Doppler effect. What was that? I don't even know. It was by so fast. Uh, Ollie is joining us all the way from Ireland, so we're very excited. You're you're definitely the person who's come the farthest to be on the show. You're not our first international guest, I just realized, because John Brandon just beat you by, like, a couple of days on that. But he's – that almost doesn't even count. He's about he's, an hour away. He's in Canada, which is, like, less than 50 <laughs> miles from us. Uh, so it doesn't feel very international. Ireland is very, very international for us. So we're, we're glad you could take the time and come uh, be on our goofy little show. Yeah, I'm delighted. Can't wait. Uh, so we are talking about three high-speed futuristic racers this week. We're talking about Aero Gauge. We're talking about Wipeout 64. And we are talking about Nintendo's F-Zero X. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to ask you this again because we <laughs> lost the recording. Uh, we, every time we invite a guest on, we tell, ask them what sh- game they would like to do, and uh, you well, we requested... ask them before we in, before they right, come on right, the show. Right, right, right. And uh, we you you requested Wipeout specifically. So what is it that uh, about Wipeout that made you really want to play? Yeah, so um, I I grew up uh, not really gaming a lot, and then we got a PlayStation, and it was like, yeah, I'm gonna gonna play this playstation this is great and i got really sucked in and i i might have been one of those people who was like oh i'm all about the playstation <laughs> come on man nintendo like, nintendo's oh, got the kitty system that's little kids sexy, that's a sexy playstation yeah. voice by the way like, that should have yeah, just been their new commercial i like the playstation <laughs> i like the playstation i don't know any of that fucking nintendo ones. they're for children right yeah like mario what a fucking dick yeah but um, <laughs> i should have asked i'm allowed to swear but anyway Oh, no, we're, anyway. we're, start, yes, we're starting yeah. again, everyone. <laughs> Take seven. So, uh, <laughs> so I was a, a Sony guy, and Wipeout is a Sony-affiliated game. It um, is. And yet I never put it on in the PlayStation. I've, and still to this day, through all the iterations of it, I've never played Wipeout on the PlayStation. I got an N64, and the only game I had on it for about, I'd say, a year was Wipeout. Really? 64. Oh, And wow. Wipeout 64... Is a great game. I mean, it's got well, it's got one major flaw, which we'll talk about when we get right to gaming. Oh, oh yeah, exciting. Right. Talk about the actual I, game. I count. I but, count in more than one, but we'll see if our list match. <laughs> well, well, I meant, I meant as in in terms of, um, it's got one flaw which holds it back from being the best version of Wipeout. Oh, I but, thought you were going to say the best game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you know, you'd probably remember. 
back being that age yourselves when you weren't getting a game just because a game came out you're like oh fuck it I'm just going to get this game because I right. can afford it so back back when you're a kid and you're like well I'm only going to have one game for the next six months and then you just play it and you force yourself to get through I mean it's how it's how things like um, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross mm-hmm. got finished by most people because yeah. those games get difficult in the middle. They really do, yeah. It's, yeah. it's sort of, so, I, I feel like that's sort of a recurring theme of this show is sort of taking us back not only to like the N64 level of technology but that part in everyone's life when they're like, I, I get one video game for this month or however many months your parents are willing to how often they buy it for you so yeah. you're going to play through all of Ogre Battle you're going to learn these very annoying systems because a, this is the game you have it's a testament exactly. to the time when we had no options yeah exactly yeah, yeah absolutely and now it's like we're just kind of drowning in, in games like we can we can boot up Steam and get 50 games for a dollar <laughs> and just be playing forever uh, but yeah back then it was very limited so uh, there was I, I don't know what was going on but there was something in the water in 1998 because we had three, all three of these games came out within like six or seven months of each other. What would they have put mm-hmm. in the water? Like, what's the chemical that inspires people? Future juice. Argon? Argon. <laughs> what would argon do if you drank it? I don't actually know. It, I don't know. It would make you go, chemistry. it makes you go fast, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the essence of pure flavor, Steve. Oh. Which, as you know, is uh, LSD. So, <laughs> Argon mines are the titular flavor country from the Marlboro uh, packs. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, it was these... kind of like a little. It was a pod, if you will, of, uh, <laughs> of futuristic games coming out. A little something. May, I'm wondering if it had something to do with uh, uh, Phantom Menace coming out, like within the next year. Like everybody was maybe jumping on this trend because they thought that pod racing was going to be this huge thing. Because I mean, we knew a little bit about uh, Episode they, One. At they this had point previewed in those right? scenes. Yeah, I don't know. You're the you're the Episode One giant fanboy. Oh man, man, Misa <laughs> loved that. <movie. laughs> yeah, Misa you have these love it hard. Darth Maul posters all over your wall. <laughs> I, I have a standee over there that I sometimes uh, make sweet love to in the yep. night. Yeah, it's, it's really it's very uh, corrugated and paper cutty. Uh, but these these also came sandwiched right in between the two Extreme G games. Extreme G came right before uh, Arrow Gauge, and Extreme G two came out just shortly after uh, Wipeout came out. I mean, yeah, we've played we've already played three of this style of game because we yeah. played both Extreme G games and then uh, Star Wars Pod Racer, which yeah. Well, neither of us were crazy about it, kind of disappointed in retrospect. And I'm honestly, I'm not crazy about this as a genre in general, even though like we talked about how. If I'm going to play a racing game and really get into it, it needs to be silly or it needs to be not realistic or it needs to be super fast or in some way. And these are. You need some weapons or. And they they just don't necessarily call out to me. And I think maybe it was just kind of oversaturation and there's just a few too many of these and they kind of. Now it's its own little subgenre and it needs to start doing something to stand out. Like, I need to be able to go super fast and, like, fart on things like something I don't <laughs> that, know. that's a very odd game that you have just pitched I to just, us you know i'm just i'm just spitballing here i yeah. mean i don't you don't need to get all right that. what do kids love today they love going fast oh yeah and they love farts they absolutely how do we love how farts. do we combine these things if we could sm- throw in a smattering of minecraft in there i think we can just start printing our own what money. is this game called it's called Ooh, Ma- what about fidget spinners is there oh, any yeah. chance we can get that in are or? those are those done now i don't know do, do people do kids still play with fidget spinners? i don't know you're the one with children you're the only one here with children I, I don't know. Well, my my kid's like five, so he'd play with whatever I wanted. <laughs> okay, um, all right. <laughs> the kids in my school are. I mean, I sometimes see a fidget spinner, but now that I think about it, actually, God, yeah, 
And so it's to, only the dweebs who've got it now. Yeah, only the dweebs. <laughs> oh, to, really, to really appeal to people, this game, you can't even play it. You can only watch other people play it on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what was going on, but I think this kind of begs the question, uh, when the hell are we getting our flying cars? We are yeah. living in the distant future year of 2018. When are our flying cars Three coming Three years up? past 2015. When, when uh, Back to the Future yeah. 2 was taking place, and we had a flying car in that. So, yeah, we still need roads. It's really disappointing. Uh, but yeah, I, I was looking forward to a future where we don't need roads and a past yeah. where I can make out with my mom. That's what I was looking forward to. That's what America. I, I, I rewatched that. The mom is just horny for him right oh, from yeah. the beginning. Like it's kind of over the top how, I, how badly she wants him. I love that though because it's also like flipping the whole stereotype of the chaste fifties mm. on its head too, and like that that women were sexual beings back then too, and they weren't just yeah. So I I like that a lot. Plus, uh, who really wants to think like, like my mom has nine kids, right? So. When you think about it, like, my mom clearly enjoyed it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, she, like, I'm, I'm, God rest my dad, like, but he was obviously doing something right. (laughs) So, but the idea of my mom being like, yeah, it's time. And I'm not going, oh, no. So if you went back into the past and you found out your mom was just like this horny young one, like. I mean, good honor. That's great. I mean, I, 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 yeah, personally don't want to think about it, but at the same time, I, I value women and their own sexual independence. And I'm going to jump exactly. us right off this damn train because this is going <laughs> in some horrible directions. I'm going to jump off this train like the flying train in Back to the Future 3, which is the one that has the least incest of the three of them. Well, and all coincidentally the most boring of them? Yeah, a little bit. We make, a little we make bit. like a, a pie chart as incest goes down, boringness goes up. I think it kind of does, but it's also not a bad movie. I don't know. I like, I like like Back to the Future 3, it's just... The, yeah, yeah, it has, it has a big legacy to live up to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Game of Thrones Season 6 isn't as much fun. Yeah, way less, way less incest and uh, more dragons. Who cares about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me ask you guys real quick. Do you guys have a favorite flying car in pop culture? Oh, wow. That's a... This is putting you on Ooh. the spot. I yeah, know, I but, didn't... Uh, I can go first if you want. Yeah, why don't you go first? I think the... Uh, it's really more of a scene. It's not one specific flying car, but it's all the flying cars in the fifth element... Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I love brilliant. it because it all looks very boxy and very plastic. Uh, yeah. And and they've also got like weird little details like the Chinese like junk that's flying through, like delivering Chinese food. Like they've got a little cool details in there. And that movie's just so like audacious and over the top. It's like so great. So those are my favorite flying um, cars. I, right, I, I don't know if this technically counts as a, as a flying car, but I really like Luke's speeder oh yeah yeah from star wars that was a te- um, that was like an impressive technical achievement too like back in the 70s i'm like this looks seamless like this looks like a really yeah. good flying car <laughs> it's really good you're like oh, wait wait why do some of the rest of the things look really naff now yeah um and then it's because it's the fake cgi from the the early 2000s that i'm watching these days when you try to watch that copy of that movie oh yeah absolutely um, i was always a big this um well, I mean, we're talking about cars that go where they're not supposed to. So one of my okay. favorite things was, uh, it was, I think it was a Mazda commercial where they were just driving down a beach and then the car went underwater and they would like, they were driving underwater with their family and then it sort of came up on this other island. Oh, I remember And then that, it had yeah. a disclaimer at the bottom that like, car is not for underwater <laughs> use. I'm like, why is that your commercial? Why is what? Yeah, what are you, I was ready to buy a yeah. Mazda right this second and yeah. go explore the sea. And now I can't do that. <laughs> 
so I, uh, because I'm so extra all the time, I, I went back and I looked up some history of flying cars. Wait, uh, what? There's a history oh. of flying cars. How can there be cars? history of flying cars if they haven't been invented yet, it's, Steve? It's been, well, they have been invented what? multiple times over. I so. gotta go, everyone. <laughs> it turns out, uh... These have been flying cars have been in development almost as long as regular cars have been. So Henry Ford had a prototype for a personal one-seater plane. It was called the Ford Fliver, and it came out in 1926. He he announced it at like this big gala party, like at his birthday party, he unveiled it. Only two people ever flew it. One was a uh, test pilot named Harry Brooks, and the other was Charles Lindbergh who uh, flew it uh, for, like, I don't know, an hour or so, landed it, and then called it the worst aircraft he had ever flown. <laughs> uh, so they were starting production on the Fliver, and it was uh, finally canceled, though, after Harry Brooks, the test pilot, was killed in a crash off the coast of Florida. Mm. He flew it out over the Atlantic. It sputtered. It died. They never found his body. Fliver, also not a spectacular name. It not sounds more like a, like a delicious uh, stick-based snack. Ooh, okay. Like, yeah. like a kind of like a pocky, like a marshmallow fliver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or a little be... banana cream fliver. To me, it sounds like a bug. It sounds oh. like so, oh man, who let all these flivers yeah. in here? It I, sounds like uh, it sounds like a Disney failed attempt at a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> For one all, of those one of those weird knockout knockoff movies of like uh, finding, <laughs> oh yeah, fliver find, fi- finding fliver like instead of finding Nemo, <laughs> it's like finding fliver. For all, for all I know, it could very well be a character in The Black Cauldron. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so there were a couple more attempts over the years. There was the Arrow car, the Hiller helicopter, the flying Jeep. Uh, but none of them took off, literally or figuratively. <laughs> uh, the latest development on this is a car-plane hybrid uh, that plane. it can cruise at about 100 miles per the hour plar. in the air. The Plar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's made by a company called Terrafugia. Which is uh, it's based out of China, but it's owned by Volvo, and they are developing one right now. It's called a TFX, and uh, it's a flying car plane hybrid. I watch videos on the website; like it looks pretty rad, and uh, apparently it's going to start being on sale in retail markets next year. So uh, it'll cost you about two hundred eighty thousand dollars. No problem. We uh, run a podcast. Pretty we, easy. We, yeah, yeah, we're raking in that podcast dough. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. not a problem. Also, please donate to our Patreon. Minimum donation two hundred eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> that tier unlocks a picture of us with our thumbs up. So it's pretty yeah. great. And yeah. us in front of our new car that nay, I already forgot the name of <laughs> the Terrafugia TFX. That's right. I'm still thinking Flipper. Hey guys, this just reminds me. Um, uh, have I ever told you about Blue Apron? <laughs> no, just, tell us about it. Do you guys have blue, a- do you have blue Apron in Ireland? Uh, no, we don't. We have we have Irish equivalents, which are like oh, green cross and shit. Oh, don't even start. Boiled potato. You can't, you can't have it. You can't have anything like that in Ireland without them sticking the word green on it to try and get you to be all like patriotic. Like you want, you definitely don't want blue in front of anything over here. It reminds us a little bit too much of the British. When I was there, oh. I tried to order the eggs and ham, and uh, some guy just kept trying to make me eat green eggs and ham. And then I had he kept following me around <laughs> Dublin, rhyming at me. Uh, so it was very frustrating, very rude. Anyway, so yeah, uh, you know, I don't actually see us flying a flying car in our life. Well, I'm very confused I, by the logistics of the flying yeah. car. Aside, I mean, I could see how a car would be able to fly and drive on the ground. That does yeah, not seem yeah. unreasonable. But how do they police this? Like, does your car just drive on the streets and when it starts getting too crowded, you just take off over the traffic jam? I mean, you still would have to go to an airport, right? Right. I mean, a couple of issues, I think, first of all... Uh, 
the major airlines have way too much of a stake in this to ever let like <laughs> commercial, like private citizens start reg- uh, driving flying cars. Secondly, planes are very, very heavily regulated for good reason. It is very hard to get your pilot's license. Like, it, it, I mean, it's yeah. hard to navigate up there. You know, it's, you don't want just random things flying around uh, right. where you don't know where they are. Yeah, and I mean, just think of all the stupid shit you do in your car. Like, would you want the pilot of your plane to be doing that? Uh, I mean, I feel like you need a total infrastructure overhaul to allow, like, space for your flying car to take off. Like, I just don't, I don't see it happening in our lifetime. Yeah, see, the thing about... Um, thing about cars is if you are even half paying attention and we've all done that thing where you're driving down the road and your mind's a little bit in something else yeah. Yeah. and then you see something and then you're automatically your foot's on the brake yeah. you come to a stop and you get that little heart pounding moment if you're in the air and you try to put your foot on the brake you're not stopping like, oh, that's, no, 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 no. that's not how that's not how objects in space work or like, you'll so, just like fall you know it's like oh cut the fall. engine cut the engine so, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm just imagining that somewhere there's an insurance person listening to this and they're just about f- they're just throwing a podcast before they go to sleep the soothing sounds of Woody and Steve <laughs> they're just drifting off and then they're in that kind of 90% of sleep phase and then they hear flying cars are a thing and they go fuck no no it's coming it's coming this is what we've always feared it would be an absolute it's, nightmare it's, it's okay insurance adjuster I'm going to calm you down with my sexy Sony voice Hey, baby, don't you worry. You, you sleep tight. There ain't going to be no flying cars. No Mario anymore. Brothers either. No Mario Brothers. You're good, baby. Have a good sleep. The PlayStation, PlayStation 5 is coming. There it is. Oh, yeah. We're bringing back Siphon Filter. Mmm, it's overdue. It's overdue. When? Siphon filter was was legit great though. Let's not make jokes. Don't don't get my hopes up. There's a medieval remake coming next month. Yeah, baby. All right, and we're making Sony sound too sexy for a Nintendo podcast. Oh, that's true. Let me uh, try my Nintendo voice. Everybody on Nintendo, you wanna play Nintendo games with me? So Nintendo is Gollum. He's a little Gollum. He's a little... <laughs> he's a bit schmeagly, yeah. Yeah, he's a, a kind of a guy choking on something. Kind of Gollum. Yeah, so it, it's... All right, let's talk about these games. Why not? Let's... I don't want to, <laughs> Steve. We got three games to talk about. There's let's... too many. There's too many. All right, we're going to go chronologically on this. Uh, so we'll start with Arrow Gauge. It also works out that this is alphabetical, too. I just noticed that. That's great. Perfect. That's science at work right That's there. science at work. Arrow Gage was released April 30th, 1998. It was published by ASCII Entertainment and developed by Locomotive Games. So I had to look into ASCII because I was very confused by it. it ha- ASCII Entertainment has nothing to do with the programming language of the same name. Used to make hilariously shaped butts. Exactly, oh exactly. All butts are <laughs> hilariously shaped. Uh, for, ASCII true, doesn't change that. that. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I can't argue with that. So the company started as... Uh, a magazine publisher for coding nerds. They did like ASCII magazine for like early, early nerds. And uh, eventually the company was partnered up with some kid named Bill Gates and it became Microsoft's first overseas branch in Japan. Uh, So the core developers behind ASCII went on to build a popular MSX gaming computer and uh, they spearheaded some early uh, online gaming functionality with ASCII net. So MSX, people might know over here in the States, is uh, the, where Metal Gear Solid first started. Yes. Like, that's the biggest title I can think of that started there. I think uh, Castlevania oh. X as well. Was yeah, it was that. like a big home... Co- it was essentially like, a, I would know, it was the equivalent to like the Commodore. Yeah, or, yeah. But it was Just much like a bigger computer. overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys have MSS, MSX in <clears throat> Ireland? Does that ring a... We did, but, but as a Sony guy, I need to uh, point out that 
Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two were on the MSX, not Metal Gear Solid, which was oh, oh, yeah. oh thank, you, thank you, no, that's correct. In October 1998, I just want you to notice. I forgot it didn't. Just... Much like me, it didn't get solid till 1998. So I apologize. <laughs> Boing. That is... Hey, hey, there's a soundboard. Yeah. yeah, you're listening to the Morning Zoo not... Crew. <laughs> yeah, stop talking about your mom, Steve. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, the company ASCII uh, eventually expanded into satellite technology uh, and hit hard times in the 90s. Expanded hard times. <laughs> Boing! <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, it was finally Trying dissolved. Trying to take things in a new direction. I think, no, I think we do need a morning zoo element to this. <laughs> we need, like, a, a wacky sound effects, and uh, every once in a while we'll get traffic reports from a clown. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they finally were dissolved in the mid-2000s, uh, and most of their games never actually made it over here, but uh, they specialized in visual novels, uh, which is a very popular subgenre in Japan and on the PS Vita, uh, which is pretty much, it's just like a, it's like a, <laughs> the PS Vita is basically like a virtual novel machine, uh, and I love it. Uh, so Locomotive Games, which is the other partner there, they were formerly known as Pacific Light and Power, which I feel like we've run into They were founded by Cornelius Vanderbilt in 1858. <laughs> An old man in a top hat and a monocle, yeah. uh, and he, he was uh, beating his gaming developers with the tip of his cane. Yep. So uh, I, I feel like we've encountered them at some point before, and I cannot remember where. Like, that name sounds familiar, and I feel like we've made a lot of these It was It jokes. was a big dance in the 50s. Oh. It was, come <laughs> Everybody, on, baby, do, the, do the Pacific Light and Power. Oh, I was thinking the locomotive. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the Pacific Light and Power, not as catchy. Yeah. <laughs> Turn Have the lights guys- on. Yeah. Have you guys yeah, turn your lights on? Shut them off. Conserve <laughs> that power. <laughs> Have you done um, Road Rush '64 yet? No, that's that's one of the ones I did. They also did Nuclear Strike for the N uh, '64, and no, we haven't gotten either oh. of those yet. But uh, I don't know. No, I didn't. It, I didn't know they did. Uh, I didn't know they did, they did Nuclear Strike. They but, did. Um, yeah. I, they did. Uh, they did Road Rush '64, which is also. Not a very good game. Oh no! Not, uh, not terribly. No, not terribly. We'll get to that one. So, all right. So, Arrow Gauge. I think the, the the gimmick that Arrow Gauge has that makes it stand out a little bit is that you're you can actually fly. You're not just hovering a little bit over the track. Yeah, for, you can actually take off. For all that off. talk of flying cars that we just had, only one of these three games actually lets you fly. The other <laughs> yeah, ones are kind hovering. of hovering cars. They and go, sometimes you can fly off the track and explode. It's but true, but that is not, not to your benefit. That's not like propulsive flight. That's death. So it's uh, falling with style. Basically, you you build up your speed at the ground level, and once you've reached the liftoff speed for your car, you can fly. You can take off into the air. Woody pointed out that it's kind of feels a little bit like the plane elements of Donkey or Diddy Kong Racing, which I couldn't comment on. I've barely ever played that <laughs> game, uh, but uh, it's it's a cool idea, I think, and it actually works pretty well. But you're it feels just a little constricted because you have invisible ceilings and you have invisible walls. Yeah, it's not super clear what things you can fly over versus where you'll hit an invisible wall because right. you can go in the air and f- sort of cut corners at a few mm-hmm. spots. One of the levels is you're like in Chinatown and so there's some skyscrapers that you can fly over to go a little faster. Yeah, um, yeah. this game, mm-hmm. it was hard to sort of tell what the strategy for this game was going to be aside from not hitting the wall. Right. Um, we got absolutely crushed by the AI on this game. We were playing oh, at the lowest difficulty. <laughs> um, on the first level, and we never even got close to getting out of eighth place. Oh, and, yeah, no, nowhere near. Yeah, so there's sort of jet pads on the ground that you can drive over to go faster. Uh, but even doing that, it was just not... I don't know, this game just doesn't... It seems to go kind of slow, and there just really doesn't feel like there's much to it. 
the number in the bottom right hand corner which represents your speed yeah. it seems to be going up a lot faster than your sense of speed yeah. is <laughs> right it's like Wait, I'm doing 300 now. Wait, wait, what? When did this happen? That's something because we... it definitely doesn't feel like it. You still handle like a barge. Even the smaller uh, craft handle like barges. Yeah, that's and someone then, kind of yeah. talked about with Extreme G too. It's like they could really slap any number on there and tell us what it, it's whatever it, they say it is. Like they could say it's 10 million miles an hour, and you're like, okay, I believe it. I think mathematically, this game was the slight. Well, not math. Just in terms of what they said your speed was, this game was the slowest was of the, the three, slowest, and yeah. it also. Probably yeah. felt the slowest. Um, I would debate that, but yeah, but I, I would say this doesn't really necessarily feel much faster than your average car racing game. Like it, it doesn't. You don't really get that sense from it. Uh, four different modes here. We have a uh, uh, Grand Prix, which the standard every game mode single match. Well, Grand Prix is worth noting. Um, oh, it yeah. has a weird mechanic where you have to do a one-player lap, or like a yeah. You there's do- no other cars on there. You do a preview lap first, which is very boring. Um, to just sort of go it's, around the track. It's nice yeah. to be able to sort of, since you can fly and navigate, it's nice to be able to explore a little bit. But And there are a lot of shortcuts and like little hidden passages, which I, which I appreciate. And does it, um, does it then translate as uh, it's a time lapse or you're qualifying? Does it then yes. change your position on the grid? It, it, it does. does. So, which I've never seen that in a game before. That's something they do in real life, like for races and for for, like, for, for flying car races. For flying car races, and uh, <laughs> I was thinking for like marathons. Like, not I can't say that I've never run a marathon, but Nicole's run marathons, and she's had to uh, like run a qualifying race beforehand to figure out what seed she's going to be in. So, which group they're in? Yeah. But I've never seen that in a video game before. I might, I, but I don't play a lot of these games. I don't know if it's just a feature we just haven't run across yet. Maybe no, I, like, I haven't seen it either. Maybe like I've Forza played every every or... one of these games ever oh, made. Yeah. So, oh, have you? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. You're very thorough. Yeah, I, I, I am. <laughs> Check out my other podcast. It's called um, Ultra Every Game Ever Made, hosted by me. It's, it will never end. Yeah. Episode 605, please kill me. Yeah, I play each game for one second. (laughs) Red Dead Redemption 2, couldn't get past initial loading screen. Uh, So, I think all of these games are going to have the same plot. Uh, It is a a futuristic year. There is some kind of tournament, and you must compete in it. And that's it. An evil tycoon is trying to sell out the car wash. (laughs) It's up to you to put together a race of futuristic cars to raise enough money to thwart him and restart the bikini car wash. (laughs) I wish that was the case. We, We never actually saw the racers in this one, did we? We just see cars. Yeah, um, we, don't, we don't see any actual. Well, and I mean, you were out. you were talking about how with a lot of these games, you sort of needed, despite them being futuristic and wanting to go fast, they sort of need another element to really stand out. Yeah, and it is a weird thing of a lot of these futuristic racing games end up looking pretty generic because the cars are kind of just they don't have a natural shape; they just kind of look like heaps. Yeah, this like, these ones are very boxy uh they do a couple things in this one that i like they have some details like little flaps come out of the sides mm-hmm. of your cars when you're making a sharp turn like there, there are some nice details and overall i think it it moves and looks pretty uh, well i think if you were just to take a screenshot of the three games we played this one is the nicest looking one yeah i would it's... say like if you're not considering like motion or anything because there is some pretty bad draw distance some really bad pop-up that's going to be an issue <laughs> in almost everything but uh in this one it is a problem uh there's no weapons. There's no 
weapons. There's no boosting. There's no... Yeah, I think that's really I, the issue with this game is there's just not enough. The tracks aren't very complicated, and it's the same issue I have with Diddy Kong Racing when you fly, mm. is that so much of the gameplay is removed when you're in the air because mm. there's not that much to dodge. There's not boost pads to hit. Um, you just kind of go straight in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It... Um, I think this one is trying to present itself as more of a serious, so that's the air quotes, yeah. racing It's game. a very nice simulation um, of a thing that doesn't exist. The, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they're trying to get at. It's like, oh, yeah, so that's why you have to qualify, and that will give you your position on the grid, and now you're going to have to race against other racers. But as you know, I mean, since it's not something that actually exists in real life, you're, you're, you're putting bells and whistles on what is essentially a quite boring racing game with... What I felt was very scripted AI. Because um, I played three or four games, and I mean, because you know, I'm like a serious gamer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Minecraft. And so all day. I, I did manage to get into seven once. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, we are impressed. <laughs> but, That's... But, but I overtook the guy, and then I came to the next corner and clipped it. And then he just took this perfectly smooth line around the corner, mm. and I'm going, wait, hold on a second. That's a. What, how's this even happening? Yeah. Um, and then he's gone into the distance. And I find that with a lot of games from this era is that the computer is just... The idea is that you're meant to get better and overtake well, what so effectively a static object. Because we were playing on the easiest difficulty. Yeah. It just made me wonder what happens when you crank up that difficulty. You get even... You get lapped every time. You get farther back. Your car has a boot on it. You have to walk to the uh, DMV. You have to pay your fines, get the boot taken off, and then you can start the race. And by this time, everybody's having well, dinner. So, like Mario Kart, um, just and I'm sure many other better racing games have a mechanic where when you're playing a single player... Um, if you're far ahead, the computer players behind you go faster, mm. and if you're far behind, they'll slow down to yeah. keep things generally more exciting. This game ha- did not seem to have that at no, all. No, no, it just it just doesn't seem to have any rubber banding kind of issue. It's just like dudes are away, you're not catching them. Oh yeah, and, and it's pretty bare bones in terms of like you get uh, five cars at the beginning. You have the option of unlocking another five. Uh, five tracks with the option to unlock one more. Yeah, six tracks is six not going to do is it. Very low, especially when they just don't really have a lot of personality. Uh, and e- they're not. It's not even really six tracks. It's like, well, I didn't unlock the last one. So maybe yeah, the last but when we were all in eighth, none of us unlocked anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, the uh, but the the five, or I think I got to play on four different tracks, and they were all like single races. Mm. Two of them were just repeats of. Like just slightly different versions of the the first track, like and you could see that you're coming up and it, it's like the rage racer stroke ridge racer situation mm-hmm. where you're coming to a point and in if you're in track one you turn left and in this one you turn right mm. and it ends up in a slightly different course to get back onto the same finishing stretch. Kind of Got thing. it. And yeah, so calling it like five tracks is a bit pushing it. it just yeah, that's it like, feel very. That's same pretty lazy. It. They couldn't. They couldn't even reach number five. Yeah. Um, one thing I did. <laughs> I did like about this game is um, the music has a very old school sort of MIDI yeah. feel to it. It, it sounds yeah. a lot like an NES game. I dug the music a which, lot in this one. Yeah. Yeah. If it weren't for F Zero, I would say this was my favorite music of the three games. But uh, what? Yeah. I'm sorry that the the. the w- We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I think what? I think we we might be putting our relationship in jeopardy talking about wipeout by the end of this, but uh, we'll 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 ease into that slowly. Yeah, you got to take uh, it easy. We're I mean, this one was really trounced by the critics at the time, which I don't think is necessarily fair. This is far from the worst game 
I've played. It's far from the worst <laughs> racing game. I think it just didn't capitalize on the potential. We just we just have to remember, Steve, what we were. It's you know this is this would have been the game that you bought, and yeah, it would have yeah. been sixty dollars, and you would have gotten those six tracks, and you would have gotten eight <laughs> in them six times and you'd yeah. be like gee <laughs> this isn't fun this game is mechanically okay but i'm never gonna play it again yeah the difficulty is prohibitive and i think that's that's the biggest problem but i would actually i would like to see like a modern version of mm-hmm. this like with a system that can keep up with it something that feels faster but that really lets you like not just like take off and hover like 20 feet above the track i want to fucking fly over the city and like maybe they add obstacles the higher you get or like you you the altitude starts affecting your car and you start taking damage mm, higher you that's get. a good so idea there's like a nice risk and reward element but and if you can really get that speed going if you mm-hmm. really get that f- sensation of like taking off maybe some kind of like space sky city like a cloud city thing where yeah. you are still racing in space but totally. like there's lots of things hanging down in your way see um, I, I would love that I, I like the idea of this but uh, yeah they just didn't it's quite. worth noting this game does have a two player mode this game is two player yeah. max it's not four player but it chugs pretty substantially with more players. It, like, does. it, it does. It seems to run at about half the speed that it originally did. Yeah, run, runs okay. It's playable, player. but not fun at at two player. Yeah, not that it's that fun at one player. Do we have any last things to say about Arrow Gauge? It's got a great name. It's fun to it's say. Arrow Gauge. Arrow Gauge. I have a question about it yeah. that would probably lead into talking about the second game because yeah. F Zero was the second one released. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I don't know the ins and outs of this sort of stuff. Why would Nintendo allow a game to be released on their system that's so similar to their own first-person party thing that's coming out? What was it? Three months later? Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was six months later. Was six I months. never. So even. I. But even at six months, it's like it's the, the general concept behind the two games is functionally identical. Yeah. I've never really um, got and, the yeah. vibe that Nintendo polices the, with their seal of quality based on something like that. They, no. they always they would yeah. seem. I mean, the seal of quality existed sort of as a way to prevent companies from releasing too many games at a time. Yeah, because it was kind of a response to the market getting glutted after Atari. After you could buy like <laughs> companies were releasing just tons of clones and porn games like we yeah. talked about in bad fur day <laughs> oh yeah, yeah um and then nintendo's were like okay companies can only release a set amount of games per year but i don't think that nintendo would really ever block something based on it competing with one of their own properties and keep in mind whatever whatever it was the argon or whatnot that was making people produce all these <laughs> high speed and actually now that i think about it it might have been the original wipeout mm. like because that was a pretty solid hit for the playstation so oh, it was huge. It, it might absolutely have, monstrous. Yeah, it, it might have been that that kind of uh, inspired this little mini trend for a while. So this, I, I think, just getting more games in on this, on the ground floor or the hovering slightly above the ground floor, you know, would uh, make sense for them. Like, it, and it, it would help to have more of these while people are interested in buying them. It just it seems. I I, I was going to say it sounds it feels like hubris on their point part of. Yeah, we don't care if Aero Gauge comes out. Well, I mean, because we've we've got the Nintendo name and we've got the F Zero name attached to it, and people are going to buy this game anyway. Oh, they definitely. And I feel like F Zero does a different enough thing. So let let's jump into that. F Zero X. This was released October twenty sixth, nineteen ninety eight. Published and developed by Nintendo, and obviously it was a Nintendo sixty four exclusive. 
So I think for most people, F Zero is kind of the first and last name in futuristic racers, unless That's you're what a the F Sony kid. For. Yeah, first, <laughs> first and flast. Uh, so it kind of it really popularized the subgenre when uh, it debuted on the SNES. It was one of the, I think it was the launch game for SNES, right? Or it was one. It was of very them. early. Yeah, it was like yeah. it came out in 1990. Oh wow! So I would say a lot of the boom about this uh, subgenre, I think it was partially Wipeout, and I think it was partially anticipation of F Zero. Like okay. I think that would be fair to say. So yeah, first F Zero came out in 1990, and it was hailed as an early example of what the SNES was capable of because it had this faux 3D appearance, much like original Mario Kart. And it did have a pretty impressive sense of speed for the time. Like, I'm not crazy about that first game. I think it's kind of boring, but it does move really fast. Yeah. Uh, and it, it looks pretty cool for what it is. If, graphically, I think it's held up better than Super Mario Kart. Just cause I would say, the, the, yeah. The turns feel smoother, mm-hmm. and the cars look a lot better, whereas Super Mario Kart feels pretty jerky. It does. It's a little sluggish, and, and just like... I, uh, I played F-Zero for the first time, the original F-Zero, so the 1999 one. Um or 1991 mm-hmm. for the first time about I'd say about four years ago oh okay yeah and and I thought it was great um, just for for a game from 1990 when you consider that it was released at the same time as like Super Monaco GP and you know Formula 1 the original Formula 1 game I think it was just literally called that mm-hmm. and Grand Prix and things like this that's true it handles so good those yeah. early racing games in comparison games to those games kind of had a thing where it would just there was so little actual driving. The track would kind of just veer slightly to the right or slightly, right, slightly to, the, to left, the left. Where yeah. F Zero yeah. actually has jumps and like turns of different angles that you need to respond to. There's more strategy. You get yeah. you get boosts and you get you take damage and you can heal that damage. And yeah, so you, you there's a risk and reward element to it. And I think Nintendo also capitalized on their ability to create memorable characters, even if they didn't really do anything with them plot wise. They they have. Mascots in the air. I um, think there's a little comic for them in the uh, instruction manual. Oh, is there? there? A little okay, see, I don't comic. have that. I need that. Like, uh, I need it. <laughs> so, like, like lots of early Nintendo games. I think F Zero has kind of stayed in the gaming zeitgeist thanks to Super Smash Brothers. Uh, Captain Falcon, who's kind of the mascot of that game, is he's been a character in Smash Brothers since the very first one, and. Falcon Punch, I think, is something you can... If you walk on any street and yell out, Falcon! Somebody will be like, Punch! And somebody else will call the cops on you. Somebody else will punch them, <laughs> yes. Like, it's a, it's kind of like a, it's like a meme, and it's kind of a cultural touchstone for a certain generation of nerds. Like, I mean, it's a delightful move in Smash Brothers, because it's so it satisfying is. to hit someone with it, but so hard to hit someone oh, with it. Is. it. Yeah, that, and so when you just yeah. want to troll, you run around Falcon Punching everywhere. Captain Falcon's one of my go-to characters in that game. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's something that's kept it fresh, and even though this series has kind of been dead it for has a while. A cool, they, they has a cool graphical look um, in the Super Nintendo one, because they really did a good job of making... There was only four cars in the original, but um, they made each one stand out pretty clearly. They all oh, had yeah. a very distinct color scheme and design to the car. Like, Captain Falcon's car has these flaps on the back that will sort of turn in different directions, which is a really cool effect. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, this one uh, was riding a wave of hype, uh, which was made even worse after uh, Star Fox, was, 64, was released earlier this year and was a massive, massive, massive hit. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, we've got another kind of futuristic-y, racy kind of flying game. Not racy, yeah. like Conquer, but you know. <laughs> Captain Falcon <laughs> strips down for your pleasure. Falcon touch. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, 
Yeah, and oh god, <laughs> I, I this one definitely did not reach the sales peaks that uh, Star Fox did. This one was it's the forty first best selling game on the system, one point one million units, which is not bad by any means, but is does not make it a, a power hitter for Nintendo. Like for a Nintendo first person game, that's pretty low. Yeah, F- it's almost like they let a game be released six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Which is well, yeah, like I'm sure game. Arrowgate stole all those <laughs> sales. stole their thunder. Um, well, no, it's not, I'm not necessarily saying it's still the stage. It's just the idea is like, well, you're only getting a game once every six months. If you already own Arrowgate, you're not getting F-Zero. It's true. X. Like, <laughs> Especially if you bought that when you're feeling kind of burned by it. It's like, okay, well, I'll never beat F-Zero. So how, yeah. much, how much did a new game cost? Do you, I mean, how much did a new game cost in Ireland at the time? I, I well, it's weird because of see this I think this is why um PlayStation jumped out to such a huge lead over here mm. in the UK and Ireland. It's because you get a new PlayStation One game, um so the budget titles were twenty euros mm. or twenty pounds and then our full price game was forty pounds. Okay. Right? Oh wow. A Nintendo sixty four game, or if you were crazy enough to own a Saturn oh. a Saturn game where somewhere up in like a nintendo 64 game i remember because they didn't have one at the time but i remember going in and like looking at them behind the glass in the game shops and be like well why this is a hundred euros oh my god or a hundred pounds like why so it was double double the price of a playstation game double the price of a playstation game and they never looked that much better and i i think another thing that used to that would put off UK gamers here or Irish gamers is the PlayStation controller. Uh, I, I, I know loads of people love the N64 controller. The PlayStation controller felt better in your hands. Yeah, well, if that makes we sense. have every week we, we've learned more and more that our love for the N64 controller is misplaced. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's becoming more and more of an ironic appreciation <laughs> as we go on because it's not really that, meant to keep up with some of these games. I think it it was amazing the first time I played it um, around at a friend's house, actually using thumbsticks. Mm. Uh, and so far before PlayStation 1 DualShock controllers came out. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, what's this? And then when the DualShock came out, that's when you started realizing the N64 controller has the thumbsticks in the wrong places. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas the DualShock is like, oh, and just, it's where my thumbs are. And just how, <laughs> what a genius idea. How crappy the actual quality of the N64 thumbstick is. Yeah, yeah. They, oh. I feel, I'm surprised we haven't broken them yet. Like, but, I mean, I guess if it can withstand, like, international track and field yeah. 2000, like, nothing. Mario, we played Mario Party. Mario Party, yeah, yeah, the... yeah, that one almost broke it. Guys, I, I listened to you talking about that, and I was hoping you were going to talk about um, some of the games in, in that which required you to use the thumbstick. I don't know if you guys ever did the, the hand. Oh, yeah, the palm, like the palm on the stick. Right. I, I left, uh, literally burned my hand raw to the point where there's a little scar in the middle of my hand from playing that game so much. You needed the, you we needed got the super competitive with my friends and like people talk about, we used to joke about friction burns yeah. and like, so uh, obviously all young men at some stage would do it. Oh, no, oh, I get it. You were just spending too much, spending too much time on your own. And then all of my, my mates and myself, anytime anyone goes to make that joke, you go, yeah, yeah, we've played the international <laughs> track and field 2000 again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you uh, could have been entitled to a, a free glove and uh, the price of Mario didn't ship Party. internationally, probably. <laughs> yeah, they may <laughs> not have. I, I... The Europeans, they have to keep getting the hand burns. So, uh, so yeah, F- F- F-Zero. F-Zero, we got off track. F- F-Zero, I think... <laughs> Don't get off track, you're going to get destroyed. You're going to fall only, for As a soon long as you time. fall, you're out of the race, man. <laughs> 
So this series is known for being particularly hard, I think, like amongst, especially yeah. for like a first party Nintendo game, which isn't usually like prohibitively difficult. F-Zero is pretty hard. Uh, this one is not near on the par of the next game with, on the GameCube, uh, which is like impossible. It's not impossible. It's ridiculous. I, I it's, unlocked everything in it. It's, it's, it's impossible. Oh, I should I should clarify. Impossible for people like me who are bad at it. Okay, there you go. Uh, but this this game, I think it, it falls in the tough but fair category. Like I I I am bad at it, and I'm going to die a lot. But I recognize it as my failing, and not like some kind of weird computer glitch. Or and something. it has a nice difficulty curve. There's it does, um, yeah. a lot of tracks in this game. I think there's four different circuits, mm. which I think four or five tracks per circuit. Yeah, and then you can play each circuit at three different difficulty levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's got a really nice progression of difficulty. It does. Yeah, and you can I, you can modify it. Yeah. I think this game is nigh on perfect from a player's point of view. I think the handling is great. I think the risk reward system is brilliant. Like if you want to get closer to the edge, go around corners smoother and take them closer. Like if you, as you said, if you go for jumps, the jumps make a huge difference yeah. to the race. Yeah, you can cut you can the cut sheer... off large sections of the track, but oh, yeah. if you jump off the track, you're, done. you're just and out. you miss. You're done. And I think that. I think that's a beautiful system. Um, I agree a little bit with Steve that I think GX might be just a little bit too that's difficult. That's fair, especially for this, um, this story mode. It definitely needed like an easy mode in the story did. mode. It definitely did. And that was a common complaint about yeah. that game when it came out. Like, there's something kind of weird about all three of these games that I've noticed, and it's that the further in the future and the more complicated the vehicle, the easier the controls are. Have so you is, this, it's is like, this one take yeah. place the farthest in the future? I F-0? think so, yeah. This is like 2550 or something okay. like that. And like, it's, you have an acceleration button, uh, you sometimes have a brake, you sometimes have a drift, you sometimes have a weapon. Yeah. And that's it. It's really very simple. And then the, the C buttons are just for like modifying your camera. Ooh, yeah, F-Zero, you never have a weapon. Oh no, F Zero! Right. You don't have a weapon, but uh, like Wipeout, you have a weapon. Um, and, it it yeah. was pre- it's pretty clear from F Zero that Nintendo had a very clear goal that they were going to make a game that played very fast mm-hmm. and very smooth, and everything else was secondary to that. Oh, yeah. Like so, the graphics outside of the track don't really look like much of anything. I mean, no. they have sort of a different color hue, and then as, and you, then play, as you play, if you, if you play, if you play in, in the multiplayer, this game is up to four player. player. Yeah, essentially everything outside of the track is just totally removed, and you're just driving through fog, but it still runs very well. We it's, we were talking about that yesterday when we were playing. It's like, or, or two, whenever we played. Uh, but they were. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. They, I think this was such a smart decision on Nintendo's part because a lot of these games, like the other game, uh, Wipeout had this problem. Arrow Gauge had this problem. You get a lot of draw distance and you get a lot of pop up in the backgrounds. Uh, which is more distracting than if they were just no backgrounds. Yeah, they so, try to they try to add detail F, yeah. by having like canyons or something. But all yeah. you want to do is look at the track. And the, the cars in FCU are very small. They're not detailed, really. They're just kind of different colors and slightly different shapes. But what you get in return is a really satisfying sense of speed. Uh, this one is the only one that feels as fast as it says yeah. it's being. And it's... Uh, I don't know, you're, you're more involved in the gameplay because you're not looking at your car. You're not looking to see if there are specks of water on your windshield. You're not, you're not looking for all this stuff. You're just looking to see if you could pull ahead of this person in front of you. So I think it, in terms of streamlining this and making it more accessible for just any gamer to play, I think that was a brilliant move. Yeah, so this game just yeah, it I, nails it nails the excitement because, like Ollie was saying, it's got a risk-reward thing. In the original F-Zero, you would get one boost per lap that you could use. Mm. In this game, you get mm. 
after you complete your first lap, you get boost enabled, and you can use as much as you want, yeah. but it takes down your health. And so, you know, you have to decide, am I going to risk getting destroyed by going real fast? And this game, it's got some rockin' sort of uh, electro metal. Yeah, just yeah, it's Sort great. of thrashes the whole time. Um, I was commenting, like, uh, it's so weird hearing this music in a game that's not Smash Brothers. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing about the boost in this game is... If you're playing it with friends, which mm-hmm. you should, because it's a brilliant racing game to play with, with multiple people, but um, the it was possible to blow up just before the line and still win the race. <laughs> yeah, and that that used to, that used to become our goal was like that was the ultimate way to beat somebody was just to flat out destroy yourself just as you're crossing yeah. the line, so that did. You, so you maybe passed them out just on their home and stretch. And the, the, the gold medal and cup goes to this streaming pile of rubble. <laughs> it's just a streaming pile yeah. of junk. Like the dead guy. He used to be Captain Falco. They no, just Falco. hold up his arm and it sticks there because of rigor. Yeah. You know, hey. <laughs> you know, one thing that's a, a little tricky to be aware of in this game is if you do play it with multi multiplayers and one person goes off the track, which is very easy to do, especially very, very in the, la- the later levels. Or they're if just your name out. is Steve and you're bad at things. Yeah, you're just out for the duration of the race. <laughs> yeah. And you get like a little slot machine that you can use to mess other people up which like is great yeah being the ghost in Bomberman. yeah you can you can spin the little wheel and if you get like three skulls you take away the health of one of the players like and so they have to drive extremely careful or they'll blow up like that's a fun way to keep you involved even if you're out like yeah. immediately and none of the tracks are too long no so. no they're not terribly long uh they really really upped the ante on the characters remember the first game had four characters it was captain falcon samurai goro pico and dr stewart they added 26 characters to this game uh, which is ludicrous. That's so many. And I checked the other games. Like the other games will sometimes like add ten, maybe five, something like that. This one added twenty six in one game. That's a cannon dump. That's like here have all these and the, characters. They're really diverse looking characters as well as diverse looking cars. They really. It's a very fifth element seeming thing. Yeah. Of um like dudes with multiple head, like a guy with multiple heads will like drive a car that has two parts to it or yeah. something or a motorcycle or I, I don't know it's, it's, it's a good way a bunch of arms it's a good way to establish the world without ever having to say anything it's yeah. like yeah you, you can see what kind yeah. of characters would be participating in this the the different characters handle and control differently mm-hmm. like we yeah. we already talked about arrow gauge but in arrow gauge there's i think it's six yeah. um starting to uh, that you start out with but if those six characters like the little stats will show up and tell you that this one is this speed and this one has different acceleration. This one's got different handling and this one's got different power or whatever. And then you get into them and they all handle roughly the same except for the big barge-like one, which is slower but oh, yeah. sturdier. But in F-Zero uh, X, they all handle and drive differently. Yeah. Like There's a, a marked difference to the game Like so to the point where you can master it with uh, Falcon yeah. Ship and then Pico ship is just going to be an absolute nightmare to you because you're used to driving fast with high acceleration but not particularly good handling. And then suddenly you've got the super nippy, great at taking turns car and maintaining speed as opposed to just getting up to maximum speed. So it makes a real difference oh, yeah. as opposed to, you know, games which just pretend like they're going to make a difference. And, just, <laughs> and, and, and again, you're going to Slacktivism. Need... We pretend to make a difference. <laughs> We're F-Zero. <laughs> well, and again, you're, like, you're going to have to kind of piece together a lot of the plot just from looking at the characters, because there's not a whole lot here. We know that it takes place in the 24th century, and uh, F-Zero racing is a sport that evolved from Formula One racing, so that's why it might control a little similarly to like a, to an F1 game. 
And uh, basically, it's the dominant sport on the planet now. There was a, a, an anime series that came out in 2003. It was called F-Zero Legend of Falcon. And uh, it aired briefly in the U.S. and it was called F-Zero GP Legend. Uh, there were 51 episodes between 2003 and 2004. And uh, they were trying to add a little continuity and a little bit of canon to it. But it also takes place substantially earlier than this game does. So it's kind of retconning a little bit. Um, most of the racers in this just kind of double as crime fighters when they're not racing yeah. cars. That's, that's how for, it works in real life. Except Dale for Ka- Captain Falcon, is... he runs a uh, bar. He has a he has a bar, and he doesn't really talk much. Huh. Uh, I watched... Which is odd, because he talks more than anyone in the Smash Brothers game. Yeah. Falcon Punch! Show me your moves! Like, I, I watched one episode of this on YouTube. Uh, not my thing. <laughs> it's very loud. It's very annoying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was popular enough that one of the Game Boy Advance sequels of this game was actually based on that TV series uh, and not, like, the original canon. And this game. series is weirdly dead. I mean, weirdly as dead. of now, it's uh, there's been... I mean, F-Zero GX, despite its difficulty, is a pretty phenomenal game. It is. No, it is. Um, oh, it's it's amazing. It's a beautiful game to look at um, and also an amazing game to play. It's one... Like, forget about the hard stuff. Yeah, there was one in the arcade yet in the arcade in F Zero, and I think that was yeah. only in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they just haven't brought it back, and I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. It, there were there were two uh, Game Boy Advance games that made it out here in the states, and a third one that was only in Japan. It, it, I mean, they can't be. I mean, all you really, all people really want is to go fast and have different tracks. Yeah, it, they don't need to innovate in any substantial way. No, and I feel I like feel it like would be a right at home on the Switch. This would be great on the Switch. This would be great on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would. Uh, they're still making Wii U games, right? <laughs> right, right. No, uh, don't tell me. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So it is basically dead. I would say my favorite mode in this whole game. There's you know your standard modes, your your racing, your versus, your whatnots. My favorite is deathmatch, because or, or what is it called? It's death race. Death race. Because the whole point of this is just to kill everybody. Uh, you just kind of go in this big loop. This yeah, they, they loop. keep a very short, sweet track with a couple of little jumps, and that's it. But it's all straight, and uh, all you have to do is be the last one of the 30 racers to be alive. You kill the others by, like, bumping into them, or, like, uh, it's basically just like the chariot scene from Ben-Hur, just, like, in video game format <laughs> and in the future. It's great. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it is worth mentioning that these other games, Wipeout and Arrow Gauge, only have, like, eight cars on the track at the same time this game has 30 not only are there 30 racers in the game they're all racing at the same time yeah which blew my mind the first time it keeps up it It looks great yeah and like it's it's hard not to over uh state this as well but this is 30 cars on the track at the same time on an n64 all driving all doing their own little thing which means 30 different or 29 different ai strategies 29 different things that the game has to keep record of and it's because they made that decision like people complain about oh the background doesn't have all that details um look at the equivalent like if you were playing gran turismo look at the details in the background of gran turismo but like yeah who cares if you're driving a racing game you want the racing to handle really well you don't need to be looking at a waterfall (laughs) in the background like you just need to be driving and that's what this game allowed them to do have 30 cars so you're constantly interacting with people even if you're at the back of the pack there's people for you to race against as opposed to just driving solitary on your own in an eight-person race where you're an oh, eight yeah. all the that's time. That, that's the other mode in this game. It's just the sad Captain Falcon drive when he just goes out and drives <laughs> 10 miles an hour and you see his face looking out the window longingly and like water droplets. <laughs> Every once in a while he stops, he sits on the hood of his car, drinks some whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very mournful mode. It's actually called mournful mode. Yeah, it's mournful really mode. good. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, uh, before we move on to our last game, uh, how do you guys feel about F Zero? Any final thoughts? Goodness, I I was goodness me. Goodness, did me I ever have a grand time playing F Zero, old chap? Jiminy Willikers, yeah. I agree. Um, I was. I mean, I had memories of playing this game quite a bit. Um, and you know, as is many of these games, you go back and you think you're just going to be disappointed. But this game, I I enjoyed this game actually more now than I even remember enjoying it because mm. I. Probably when I first played F-Zero, I'm like, what? No weapons? I want to, you know, shoot people with things. Yeah. But now I just realize how well it does the racing that it does. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So. This yeah. was my first exposure to uh, this particular entry, and uh, it's it's terrific. It, it's really fast. It's really fun, and I think it's something – it's not horribly substantial, so it's not something you'll be playing, like, over and over and over, but you have some friends over for a party. I think this would be a really fun And I would be game. perfectly happy to play this in the one-player mode. Yeah. I'd be, yeah. What, 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 what? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great game. I think it's a great multiplayer game if you can get people yeah. to play with you, and it's genuinely fun. As I said, there's something re- that um, I'm right not to go back into talk about um, PlayStation no, games either. But at, at the talk time, um, Toker Toker Race Driver hmm. came out the next year on PlayStation One, and it it was so it was like a real world racing game where you had 24 cars on the track like it was it was mimicking the um the uh the world touring car championship the british touring car championship and to have 24 cars on track as I said which means that you're constantly involved in racing action and it was amazing it was like this this groundbreaking game that brought in like all this realism in sports racing games uh, well maybe not brought it in but like really brought a focus on it and that's the same thing that happened with this like every time i sit down to play f0x it's like yes I am on board yeah. with this because you're constantly busy. You're constantly getting bars. You're constantly getting hit it's by just, other people. Pure and action, fun. and you can you can pick it up, uh, having never played this game before, and just get it because it's so simple and uh, just just a lot of fun. All right, let's move on to our last game here. This is this is the big one for you, Ollie. We are talking about Wipeout '64, released November 10th. This, this was a surfing game, right? This is a surfing game. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Wipeout 64, subcolon, hang 10, Makona. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, released, <laughs> released November 10th, 1998. Uh, so if you're paying attention, that's about two weeks after F-Zero. I like, I like imagining this person writing down these release dates. It's like, oh, someone's making a chart, yeah. and they're putting red string attached to pictures of us with our eyes cut out. Uh, so this was published by Midway, developed by Cygnosis, and this was an Nintendo Ooh, 64 I had a bad exclusive. case of Cygnosis once. Oh, did you, get, did you get past it, or is I, that just I, why I you are the way you are? <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Yeah, it causes you to constantly interrupt people and make stupid jokes that nobody finds funny. Oh, shit, I might have that, too. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Get your doctor check for Stignosis. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Cygnosis was a uh, very well-regarded British developer that's probably still best known for the Lemmings games, which uh, had dozens of ports and sequels, and it's on every console imaginable, and that was an early favorite of mine. I remember playing that on the in-class computers in, like, fourth grade, and uh, I was always jockeying with the other kids to try and get to the computer first so I could play Lemmings. I, I enjoyed the goal that of one. that game was the Lemmings were just kind of marching to their doom, and yeah. you had to sort of place objects in front of them to guide their path to safety. Because they're just going to keep marching no matter what. And I think I need to take a moment to clarify this. Lemmings don't yeah. do that. Lemmings do not do that. A lot a lot <laughs> of the myth of this is based on a uh, a Disney documentary from the 50s. Okay, they, they did a wildlife documentary where they were trying to catch this in 
uh, in the wild. They were trying to prove that this happened. So the Cameron people were out there, they were filming and filming, and they never caught sight of lemmings doing anything like this. But they needed to get some footage. So they went to the local villagers. They paid them 50 cents. Uh, they went, paid the children 50 cents each to go and kill some lemmings. And then uh, they brought a big sack of dead lemmings, and they filmed them jump falling into the water. Like, they just filmed, like, the water while people were off stage, like, throwing oh, these dead lemming corpses gosh. into the water. They killed a hundred of these things. Like, maybe more. And uh, it's, like, one of the most shameful things that, like, the Disney company has ever done. And that's, like, saying something. They, just, they killed these innocent things just to perpetuate this myth that lemmings will blindly walk off of cliffs. So it's not something they actually do. If you see a lemming, give it a hug because they've been through some shit. Anyway, that's the end of my lemmings tirade. <laughs> so it's good, good time. Aside from the uh, the lemmings and the Wipeout series, uh, Cygnosis also produced one of my very favorite PlayStation era uh, RPGs, uh, Alundra. Have either of you played Alundra? I I, I played Alundra. Yeah, it has it's a great cool uh, cool art style. It is. It's a, yeah, it's a two D game, right? It's a two D game. It's a top down game uh, in the style of Zelda. It's basically yeah. like Zelda if Zelda were really fucking dark. Okay, like it's got a nasty streak to it, and it's really good. Uh, so yeah, check out Alundra. I think that's on the PlayStation Network. And, and they hide it behind this um, kind of cartoony yeah. interface. Yeah, it's like an anime style. And then you're actually playing this like, yeah, it's great. Um, they did the Destruction Derby game. Oh, did they? Well. Oh, okay, I've never played those. If I remember correctly, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, and they, they had the, uh, the Formula One license mm. for, you know, I used to be a big into Formula One back then, it was good. <laughs> I bought then, those games, and then so uh, every I returned year, them when I learned them. that there was no hats in them. I, well, I only wanted the Destruction Derby hats <laughs> game. That's the game I want, is Destruction Derby hats, where you play as a guy who can shoot cannons out of his hat. <laughs> oh, God. Is that what you thought Super Bowling was about, too? No, I thought that was Super Bowling. Oh, Super Bowling. Oh, it was yes, a Mortal yes. Kombat knockoff. That's very important, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you, uh, were, you were saying something, and I interrupted you, Ollie. As, it's a, it's a, your, as is my oh, job. And it's, it's, yes, yeah, you got to get that treated. I was just saying... One thing I will say about Psygnosis is I wish they were famous for the reason that I always know them is I think they've got the best gaming logo that any gaming that company awesome ever owl. had. Because it's an owl like landing and then a close up of the owl's face and then above it like in like real 80s oh. silver <laughs> shiny Psygnosis. That thing, every time I see it, it reminds me of the credits to uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth with huh. that, that yeah, yes, that's exactly that what it is. Yeah. Flying around. It's even the same font. Like it, it looks like that. Uh, so Sony did buy the company and made them kind of an exclusive subsidiary in 1993, and they were closed down officially in 2012. So pour one out for Cygnosis. They did some good stuff. So uh, Wipeout 64 is actually the third game in the Wipeout series, and it's the only one to ever appear on the Nintendo system. Uh, like we said, so Sony owned the rights of the game outright, but the N64 was kind of at the height of its popularity right around this time, and uh, the Wipeout series was a big hit on PlayStation, so I think somebody just saw dollar signs and they, they made it happen. Uh, so this was the third game out of nine total, which is a little confusing, okay? Because the <laughs> game after this, technically the fourth game in the series, is called Wipeout 3. The, the game just before yes. this, the second game, is called Wipeout 2097. And then the last game released uh, was Wipeout 2048. That's the ninth game, but it's Wipeout 2048, and that was on uh, the Vita. Oh, so we only have 30 years. Yeah. 30 years, and we'll be seeing Wipeout. Anytime. So in now. our lifetime. I, I think, it, I mean, it's it's one year before uh, Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Perfect. So, we have yeah, a lot we'll, to look forward to. Uh, I mean, I, they, we better start, like, speeding things up. I want a Ryan Gosling robot. For <laughs> Man, undis- we, for we all do. Reasons. I want to try and make him eat cereal finally. <laughs> I'm just going to 
put him down and yeah. have him look at stuff. Oh, yeah. And make, make expressions. That's one of my favorite memes. And, and uh, they're, they're trying to get Ryan Gosling to eat cereal. And there's a sad kind of story behind it because the kid who made those videos Wait, uh, like a little, a little Ryan Gosling? Well, no, it's like he have you not have you no, not seen I don't this? know this meme. Okay, it's it's uh, he's watching Ryan Gosling movies, and it's just like a close up on his face on the screen, and then he's trying to lift a bowl or like a spoonful uh... of cereal to his mouth, and he always just like keeps his mouth tight or like turns his face away at the last second. It's real clever, it's real funny, but the the kid who made these memes died kind of unexpectedly uh, in uh, I think like three years ago. And as a tribute, Ryan Gosling just posted like a 30 second uh, video on YouTube of him eating cereal. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's really nice. That's is quite that poetic. Um, that's, yeah, has anyone kinda... bought the film rights to that yet? I would buy it. Play. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'd much rather watch you that than a it... Neil Armstrong movie. Yeah, no. Yeah. Ryan Gosling eats cereal, the movie? Um, I would watch I would watch that man <laughs> read a phone book. So, yeah, absolutely. I would well, watch you, you might book. enjoy the Neil Armstrong uh, movie then, because <laughs> that's kind of what he does. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, so there, there was also a collected edition of Wipeout games that came out for the PS4 and the PS3. So I I feel like we haven't seen the last of this. I feel like there's going to be another one. Um, but we just got to wait for the futuristic racer to take off again. Yeah, I was uh, I was told that Wipeout HD, that's the the one that came out in PlayStation yeah. 3, was great. And it was like everybody I know was like, yeah, you should definitely get... Well, not everybody I know. I mean, obviously, like the Lord. <laughs> but like... My children, he's he's, he's always been come together in honor he's of always uh, been in. Wipeout HD. That kind of started as an Irish he's accent, and I kind of lost it halfway through. So oh I'm man, sorry, I was gonna I was gonna have a content warning because every time I'm on a podcast with Ollie, like my impulse is to imitate his accent because it's lovely. It is, and I'm not gonna do it right. Like I almost did this in Dublin, and you warned me. It's like if I were to do that in Dublin, they would have <laughs> kicked my ass. <laughs> like out of every shop front, they would have kicked me in my face. So I'm glad I didn't do it. Oh, but oh dear. Lord, can I get a Mars oh, bar? Dear, hello, <laughs> can you lead me to your pot of gold, please? Oh, uh, no, ow, my face! <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, content warning if I slip into that. I apologize. Content warning <laughs> is bad thematic elements slash bad Irish accents. That's terrible Irish accents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, loads of people say it's it's pretty great. And um, myself and Steve are in a, in a gaming group. Um, there's one of the lads, Julio yeah. Vasquez, posts clips of him self-playing the most difficult tracks and uh it looks unbelievable like because everything's just been upped into hd level and so it's like this beautiful playstation 4 graphics and like tracks that are running down in double loops and triple loops that actually i mean that sounds really fun like i feel like this game sets a good foundation for uh, it's got a lot of elements that i want from my futuristic racing games um you get weapons in this game, which sets it apart from um, the other games, and it does have it has a decent sense of speed. Yeah, I don't know, um, but it feels kind of it felt sluggish to us. It it did a little bit. Uh, the and cars kind of have a sort of it's almost like being on a boat. They yeah, kind of are going. They're floating, they're floating up yeah. and down. It's uh, if you have you guys played yeah. Wave Race? Oh, we haven't played on the show. Oh, yet, but, well, yes, uh, yeah, but yeah, we've yeah, played but, it in our own yeah, personal but, lives. But obviously, but I have not actually. Yeah, no. it's. Yeah. It's got handling kind of similar to Wave Race, and it doesn't feel right because you don't have the water. Maybe, maybe after having played so, F-Zero with its tight controls, the loose controls here were extra irritating. Yeah. And, and that's the way it's, it's always been. But I, I think as I said, because I had spent so long, I mean, this was literally the only N64 game I had for, you're talking nine months. I got so used to the car digging in, or sorry, the car, the <laughs> ship, 
digging in and kind of going a little bit wide on a, th- a turn that when I picked it up and threw it in this week, it was just like, you know, second nature. I'm back into it. I know oh, yeah. exactly what I'm doing. And I, I had I'm doing that thing where I take my controller and I'm like easing it around in my hands as if it's got motion <laughs> controls. But it's like, yeah, around the corner. No, I'm not around this one. And I'm leaning into the corners and stuff. Because you just get, as I said, it's the kind of thing where if you've only got one game for six I months. I really want to hear. Or two months That's kind of a recurring months. story from some of our guests that I'd be really curious about. I remember Lindsay was talking about the only game she had when she got the 64 was Rugrats Scavenger Hunt. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Who was, who was our guest on uh, Cruisin'? Oh, uh, Robert Brower. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah Robert. Yeah. That was the only, I think Cruisin' World was his, was his, his game. One. So that's just, and I feel like everyone's got that story. So send in your story of like when you got your N64 and you had one game. Yeah, if I'm you had really a weird, curious. Because, yeah, I mean, I just had Super Mario 64 and that worked yeah. out great. But Yeah, no, that <laughs> well, was awesome. And, and then like I think I eventually got GoldenEye and those were the two games I had was like Mario yeah, 64 Yeah, but if Goldeneye. you ended up with some other weird game, yeah. let, let us know. We, we'd be curious to know how that worked out for you. And I feel like... You do, people developed a weird affection for games like Wipeout '64. I still like. I still am <laughs> grateful to my sister because uh, when when it came time to uh, buy my games, like buy, buy my consoles, uh, I had a choice. I was eyeballing two different games on the shelf. One of them was GoldenEye, and the other one was Virtual Chess. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I was I had I had <laughs> oh, Virtual Steve. Chess '64 in my hand. I was walking to the register, and Cassidy's like, "Oh, we should, we should play this GoldenEye one." I'm like, oh, "Okay." That's, so I put it back. That's yeah. pretty nerdy, Steve. To <laughs> I be was, like, <laughs> I was really into chess at the time. I just thought it looked so cool, and uh, it was not. Steve, I, I just want you to know, I I run a chess club oh. in my school, and and I, and I do, it and I, yeah. I love the game, but. <laughs> No way oh, am I no. ever picking up a video game Over version of chess on my no, console. No. Don't. Come on. That's what Chess Master 2000 on the PC yeah, is Yeah, or on. like, yeah, yeah. Th- th- <laughs> we'll get to that one eventually, but uh, it's not good. So, um, yeah, so what, what, what makes Wipeout 64 stand out? You have, the, you have the weapons. You have weapons, and I found it kind of hard to determine what weapon I had at any given moment. Yeah, everything the interface kind of is, is... The interface is very stylish. <laughs> this it's game is very geometric. It's very... Pointy. All the weapons just yeah. look like a plus sign, or a triangle, yeah. or a dollar sign, or a smiley emoji, right. or a poop emoji, <laughs> or the eggplant. It's a very <laughs> angular yeah. eggplant emoji. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the weapons are great, um, but... As you said, it's hard to know which one you've got, so you have to keep it in your head. And most of the lower tier weapons don't really do. So, all was there that a much. mechanic for determining um, which weapon you get, or is it just random when you drive over something? It's it's random unless you're up at a certain oh. speed, and then you, it's specific. It's specific to the group you're driving with, right? So, for example, if you're driving with AG Systems, um, I'm trying to remember what you get. So, so AG Systems, you get the it's, a, it's like a stronger okay. shield, which acts as like a, a battering ram. So I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's like you smash into another car. It protects you and causes I damage see. to okay. them, right? But so so I would always, like, I got to the habit of, um, when it, back when I was driving a lot, I was always driving as Piranha, who are slow at the okay. beginning. But when you get to the higher level and you pick up the higher level, the higher tier weapon, you get stealth mode, which means that another car can't mm. hit you. You can phase through them. You basically can pass through corners if you do it right. So it's like, oh, I've just, ex- just you've literally just turning on cheat mode and driving straight through everything. There's no obstacle in your way well, at this point anymore. So like, the the range in effectiveness from 
doing very little. Like yeah. you get a plasma bolt that's doing nothing to another car too super overpowered and well so that's i mean that's really cool i feel like just in what you just told us it makes me much more excited about the game than i was actually playing it i guess it goes maybe you know there might be more to this game than we gave it credit for because i just don't think it's that fun to play that That was was, my issue too i just i felt a little bored but i did like that there's there's one weapon that just like makes the ground ripple like out in front of you yeah yeah that's the the quick disruptor. That's what that's called. And then the ground basically becomes your weapon and smashes into the cars in front of you. And any car that's in your way, and that's cool. And that that looked cool on the in the race itself. I mean, this game was pr- <clears throat> excuse me. This game was pretty well received when it was first released. But uh, I think it was clear to everybody that the hardware was kind of struggling to keep up with this. Like this is one of the only Nintendo sixty four games with a loading screen. Like, the purpose of having a cartridge is that you don't have these loading screens. We even played um, Resident Evil 2 last week, and it's, like, there's kind of a loading screen. There's the doors opening and the stairs moving, but it's so quick, and I just kind of feel like it was more of a stylistic choice on the 64 than it was just kind of honoring that little quirk that the series had. So I don't think it was even all that necessary. But here it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a couple, it's like a 10-second loading screen. As as a little aside, have you guys seen the uh, the screenshot stroke? I think it's two minute gameplay video for the remake of I Resident Evil Two. Yeah, yeah. The HD. It looks. It looks <laughs> so good. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, and uh, also they tune just in last week. To, you know, <laughs> they're going to be putting uh, Resident Evil Four on the Switch. Also, I just learned. Oh, so good. We need we need some more points ports need, of Resident Evil Four. We need more. We need. I wonder more. what what do you think the most wow, ported weird. game in history is? God. That game's got to be up there. That one, I mean, even though it's pretty be. new, it's it's on everything. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm curious. That'd and be, they that'd actually be... port it Te- instead of just re-releasing. There's a it. version. There has to be a version of Tetris. Oh, yeah. it's got to be Tetris. Well, you need... it's but be usually, Tetris. there's just a different version of Tetris. You know, it's not necessarily the same game. Yeah, that's yeah. True. yeah. Resident Evil Four is just the same game, but they you know reported it in HD. Slide yeah, that's true. Yeah. There. So uh, one of the one of the main hooks I think of the Wipeout series on the PlayStation was the music because they had. Like, really cool, cutting-edge EDM music at the time. And they had, uh, excuse me, the first game had music from the Chemical Brothers, which were, like, a major act. That uh, was, like, the Mario Brothers, right? But they were dropped in acid? Uh-huh, yeah, they were Chemical Burn Brothers, yeah. Yes. yeah. okay. Their, their special <laughs> attack was jumping, throwing bits of their own flesh, and screaming. <laughs> yeah, yep. they were really good. <laughs> but a lot of the tracks in the N64 version, they were either, like, condensed... So that you they can't kind of really like Tony it. Hawk. They were. It was kind of Tony Hawkish. Yeah, they yeah, either they, are. They took snippets, snippets, and just repeating loops over and over. Just the chorus and yeah. the sound quality is not fantastic. There were a few that were recognizable as like Chemicals, Chemical Brothers songs that you've heard in a million. We're movie the trailers. Chemical Brothers, and we're here to say we burned our flesh just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, hmm. All right. So. The, I'm I'm a little bit kinder to this than you guys are because I probably at the time I was playing yeah. it and enjoying it and it, I'm so I'm not an EDM <laughs> guy like I'm I'm a Billy Joel fan like but, I would love uh, it if Billy Joel did the soundtrack the t- Billy Joel big in Ireland thing. right oh it'd be unbelievable if Billy Joel was just like you're going around the corner and it's like just slips into and then he'd have house. to Anthony <laughs> works in the grocery store oh yeah there, I love this a banger like, bottle of but, red um, bottle of white uh, oh I crashed off the track tonight <laughs> no. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but of all the, like what I get about this is it's the fact that they are recognizable as songs from 
the original. I'm, I can't remember if there actually is any crossover because I, I never played the original Hitty, but I know the the songs that were on it. So like you had Oxycetylene and stuff like this. You when you're playing White Belt sixty four, it's the fact that you can recognize the mm. music at all as this might be actual licensed yeah. music here. Where was this coming? Whereas a lot of N sixty four games just like I. I, I I don't want to throw it under the bus because it had limited time. Oh, you can throw it under the bus. The That's what we're all great. about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when the sound wasn't yeah. particularly great and the idea of actual music coming through on it wasn't great. So you get that lovely MIDI sound from your F-Zeros and your Aero Gauge. Yeah, it sounds good in Aero Gauge. Like, like something it, like a step I up. think for me, like yeah. it had, it was so mixed down and so condensed that it kind of had a somnambulant effect on me. I'm just like, it's it's making me nod off a little bit. And when the game's already kind of chugging yeah. and, and the controls are a little floaty, like it, it just, it I felt a little drugged in not a, in not a fun way. Yeah. Like I just felt like a little disoriented. I guess I felt that the whole vibe, the graphical vibe of this game felt very uh, abstract. Yeah. Um, like the cars are just kind of vague shapes. All the power ups just look like Triangles vague shapes. And, squares, yeah. and um, so like arrow gauge, it was pretty clear where you were and what the shapes were going to be. And F zero was so focused. Whereas this game, I didn't quite know what the aesthetic of where I was flying through was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. No, I'm I'm in the same boat. Weirdly, I I kind of found the four player multiplayer to be the best feature of this because uh, the the system doesn't even try to keep up with the backgrounds. Like when you play on four player multiplayer, you're just yeah. racing on a track in a black void. Yeah, and so it moves at a really yeah. nice clip, and it plays kind of like F Zero in that moment because it's like, oh shit, okay, they've they've minimized the problem. We're not chugging so much. We're not having all this pop up like appearing and disorienting you. So you can just kind of play and enjoy the mechanics of the game a little better. It would be a tough sell, though, with, you know, yeah. newer versions of Wipeout out there to be like, hey, guys, let's bust out the N64 and play this right. very bad version of Wipeout. <laughs> and I, you do have to feel bad for this game coming out two weeks after F-Zero. Yeah. Like, every, if you're going to buy one of these games, you're buying F-Zero, like, obviously. And it's it's just a better game. Yeah, of the, of the two, yeah. you, you definitely are. Um, what, I would say, what I would say about this is, I think this is another example of let's just go on the name like the name is wipeout everyone knows what wipeout is wipeout is huge on the playstation everyone thought it was a playstation exclusive <laughs> but it's not we got it we got it on the n64 come come and play on our n64 and play yeah. wipeout guys and to, to the point as i was saying to you guys at the start like the, the one major flaw in this and you have to understand this again that like, i had this for six months i think or maybe even eight months without another game to play on that system is there's no championship mode. Oh yeah. There's no there's no story mode. It's like you get to sit down and play individual races and single races. And yes, you can unlock future tracks, but and and more um, ships. But there's no way to sit down and then have a consistent. You are playing five tracks against the same competitors, and you get a combined score to see who wins, and you unlock the next tier. And that's. There's, that means that it just feels like there's nothing to yeah, do in yeah. the game. Yeah. So any any of those racing games that doesn't have a championship yeah. system, just it's it feels empty. That's true. Lost. Yeah. And I mean, I, I admit that I'm a little by you know, and I'm a little predisposed to not like racing games. You know, it's just it doesn't appeal to me for whatever reason. It just kind of it's just never yeah. been my genre. You know, so like a lot of the finer details might go over my head just because I don't really know. But ultimately, I think I just found this one kind of just kind of dull. Like, uh, I, I kind of felt like the, all the 
the cars lacked personality to me. They looked like paper airplanes mostly. Uh, and it's just, yeah, the pop-up and the frame, the pop-up uh, and the frame rate dips were substantial. And I think they did the best they could with this type of, with like... Well, clearly they didn't because we just played F Zero, so it's clear well, yeah, what okay. the best that one could is. But I mean, <laughs> but, if you're trying to if you're trying to make a version of Wipeout as established, you know, because F Zero was F Zero was being true to its brand. True. Wipeout, if it's being more true to its brand, it's going to have more detail, and uh, you know, the, the the system just isn't capable of keeping up with it in the same way that the Sony would. But yeah, yep. that's. Uh, Anybody else have anything to say about uh, Wipeout, or uh, would we like to move on to some rankings? Let's let's move on to some rankings. We're getting All our right. uh, we're getting our money's worth out of these. We games. are we're delivering delivering content to the listeners <laughs> at bargain basement prices. We absolutely are. I'll I'll Maybe. let I'll let Woody look at the list. <laughs> yeah. here for, uh, each week we uh, rank the games that we have just played. We add them to our ongoing and ever expanding list of games. Uh, I will start off because uh, I wrote mine down already. So you are um, smart. You know, none of these were bad. I, I would not say like all of these are playable, and I think they're they're they scratch kind of a certain niche. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think they're a lot of fun. So I would say Wipeout is my lowest on this, just by a little bit. Uh, I'm putting that at the new number forty three, which isn't terrible. It's not terrible. That's that's upper percentile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a disapproving shake from across the sea. Uh, just a little above that, in number thirty-nine, I'm going to put Arrow Gauge. Uh, you know, I just I think it was a little more creative. If it if it didn't quite work as well, it took some swings that I appreciated, uh, and I, I would like to see that kind of formula expanded upon. And then F Zero X, easily the best of the three. That's going to be my new number sixteen. So that is top twenty. F Zero, it is uh, it is a lot of fun. I hope they bring that series back one of these days because I'd like to see what they can do with some modern technology and. Maybe they can steal some of the ideas from Arrow Gauge and, uh, you know, uh, some of the style points from Wipeout, and we'll all just be one big happy family with all three of these. All right, so I am going to put, um, I agree, wait, did you finish? I was looking at oh, this I'm done. and I got distracted. I am done. So, I'm going to put, um, I, 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 I disliked Arrow Gauge the most. I thought okay. Arrow Gauge was just kind of boring. Um, I, I wasn't crazy about Wipeout, but at least it... There were weapons and more to do. Arrow yeah, Gauge yeah. just seemed bland. Uh, so I'm going to put Arrow Gauge pretty low on here um, at number 55, which is right under uh, Cruising USA, the other boring racing game. Um, and then I'm going to put uh, Wipeout, let's just say right under uh, right under Cruising World at number uh, 44. Mm. And then, you know, I was amazed by how well F-Zero still played. I'm going to put that at number 5. Wow. Which is right behind Star Fox 64 and ahead of Mortal Kombat 4. So we'll bump Mortal Kombat 4 out of the top five. Wow. Because it probably didn't need to be there. Yeah, yeah. But, no, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, F- F-Zero was was a delight. And all of you have uh, three games on this uh, so far. Where would you rank these three? Uh, all right. So I um kind of a mixture of the two of you. Uh, whereas I would have F-Zero at number five. Um, okay. Because... I think it might be legit the fifth best game on the system. I think it's yeah, wow. that. Um, but again, I'm I'm a dude who loves racing games and has always loved racing games. So to me, it's a very pure racing game. Um, and then Steve, where you had number thirty nine, you had Arrow Gauge, which is just wrong. 
just slow <laughs> run. I, I'm I would, sorry. I would legit slip it in at 39 on like if you're a skill because it's it seems about right because I imagine you you're only about halfway through um your your set of shows right so I imagine you've got another 50 or so games to go. It's gonna end well, another, up somewhere in there. We got another two hundred or so games to go. Yeah, we got a while. We got a while. Well, yeah, there'll be a lot of double up episodes, I imagine, because it's a bunch of like four versions of FIFA and all this sort of exactly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. we we're condensing a lot when we can. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd have it about turning because it's gonna end up. It, it's probably in the top one hundred games on the system, but yeah. not very high up near the end or near the top end of it, and uh, yeah, I would have Arrow Gauge, which just bored me to tears. <laughs> um, I could be as low so I'll, I'll stick it in at 55 where Woody had it and just know that eventually it's going to end up way lower than 55 oh just... it, it will un- undoubtedly yeah I mean yeah, I understand the complaints on that I understand the, uh, why I might eventually come to regret that placing but uh, yeah, for me it I just mean in the scope of regrets in the scope of life regrets it's a minor it's, one yeah. it's a minor one uh, so uh, real quick I do have one letter uh, this is for, and you can write into us at any time, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We love getting mail. Please send it in. This comes to us from Shay. It says, Greetings from Boise. I started listening to your podcast about two months ago, and I've finally, finally gotten caught up. And now I must ask you the question that's been on my mind since episode one. There's no doubt that the N64 is a great system, but we all know the Nintendo console that broke ground like never before, the one that shook the industry with its innovative mechanics, the one that changed the gaming industry forever, and the one you've got in your basement. That's right, I'm talking Wii U, baby! (laughs) What's your favorite game for that console? I know there's a lot of excellent titles to choose from. Splatoon is my favorite, for example. What's your pick, Steve, Woody? Thanks, Shay. Thank you, Shay. I think this might be a question just for me. Yeah, I think so. I do, I do not have a Wii U. I think I have only played the Wii U when I've been staying at your house looking after your dog. Yeah, And I yeah. played Bayonetta 2. So I guess Bayonetta 2 is my favorite. There you go. Because it was pretty fun. That's not a bad one. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about <clears throat> I was thinking about this. Um, this The Wii U might have... Well, I was going to say it might have my favorite version of Mario Kart, but they ported it onto the Switch, and it's kind of better on the Switch. Oh, yeah, uh, I played that. Mar- that, game Mario- is, that game is fun. Mario Kart 8 is exceptional. Uh, it's really, really good. If you get that, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, there's a really good Smash Brothers on there, but again, I would probably say 3DS plays that about as well, maybe a little better. I think I would have to go with Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. I think it's a delightful, like, short-term, quick little puzzle game uh it, it's it's easy to pick up and play it's difficult to master there's a ton of little different modes in there and it's just cute as all hell there's still a few games i need to get to like i haven't played much of pikmin 3 i haven't played much of uh, tokyo mirage sessions uh so there's a couple games in there that i really want to dig into a little further but uh that's my favorite so far i think just uh i have a wii u uh, and i love yeah. my wii u and um uh if it doesn't have a switch um breath of the wild on the wii u is fantastic <sighs> It's oh, that's right. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's genuinely brilliant game. Like, it it doesn't. I mean, I I've never played it on the Switch, um, and I obviously it's going to look a little bit prettier. Yeah. But if you're not into walking around holding a video game console outside of your house, like I like to do, which is hide my shame, which is my video yeah. game, <laughs> is uh, playing it on the Wii U is brilliant, and you can play it on the little handle little screen as well, and it's it's just fantastic. Like so. Yeah, for it, yeah. Um, I also, mean, there, there are the the other two Zelda games on there that they ported. They they did HD updates of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, and they're both really good. Wind Waker HD is an amazing version of that yeah. game. Um, and this is a little bit off base because it's not really a Nintendo property, 
the version of Raymond Legends on the oh, Wii U yeah. is fantastic. Four player, uh, four player platforming that works where each of the four players has different skills as opposed to when you're playing, you know, four, you know, if you're playing as Luigi in, in a Mario game, you're basically playing mm. as a little slightly skinnier version of Mario. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. except for Mario 2, where he jumps he like a yeah, yeah, he he goofy yeah. man. But, um, yeah, it's so, uh, yeah. I lo- I, I, those those new Rayman games are excellent. Yeah, they're, they're really, yeah. really precision platforming. It's really great. All right, we have, uh, this is our longest episode. We have run well Ray, congratulations, well than, uh, Ollie. <laughs> congratulations. I apologize, that's my fault. No, are you kidding me? We <laughs> love it. Caused by the time you. delay, I'm sure. Yeah, partially was that. It's uh, an I- Irish time. <laughs> so, uh, Ollie, tell us where we can, uh, tell us about your other projects and your other podcasts. Where can people find you? Yeah, perfect. So I do a podcast called Best Acquaintances with My Best Friend Emily. We've never met in real life, um, and we only know each other through Facebook or whatever. We decided one day to have a conversation. And then we were like, wait, turns out you're interesting. I'm vaguely interesting. So <laughs> why don't we see if anybody else that we know from Facebook groups, et cetera, are interesting? Because we, we all have 300 friends. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're the 300 friends and you, you get in the text message conferences. Because I, I remember we, when, I would, when I first set it up with Emily, we were sitting around and we were saying stuff like, oh, you know, such and such is a good guy. Like Bill O'Donnell, for example. Oh, Bill O'Donnell's a good oh, yeah. guy. So then we were like, yeah. well, Let's actually talk to Bill Adon. Turns out he's a yeah. good guy who's also interesting. Same with Steve. Like I, I'd interacted with Steve in a bunch of like gaming things. I'm sorry, I get it. Stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, hey, bring on Steve. Turns out Steve's an interesting guy. He's got stuff oh. to talk about. You know, like, oh, that's, you're too wow. Um, that is a flattering thing to say about Steve. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said <laughs> yeah. to me. Well, I mean, mostly I only talk to Steve because of his Emily that he has his other podcast with because she's oh there. yes yes it's like Steve mm-hmm. gets the, the splashback from his Emily so like it's, it's <laughs> there you go that, that sounds really weird not <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't then, tell her and then my other podcast is called Media Evil and it's where um, a person that I met from doing Best Acquaintances um, Sarah F. Decker she's a professor in medieval history and we watch movies that pertain to medieval history. We read books that pertain to medieval history. And then she tells us what they get right and what they get wrong. And then every week we come up with a, a new version of whatever the movie was. And I just put Chris Hemsworth in it because <laughs> he looks like a Viking. So yeah, why not? put him in any movie that might have a Viking. Oh, I thought you meant not? you put Chris Hemsworth in your podcast. I'm like, wow, you're really <laughs> slumming it to you hang out with sway. us. Yeah. yeah, I would hang so, out with listen, that dude. Guys, Chris is beautiful and he's got an awesome voice and he's a good friend. <laughs> you two are, are almost as good. Oh, oh yeah. nice. That's that's going to be the new tagline for I the think podcast. If you were to combine the two of us, we might equal one of Chris Hemsworth's stools. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and that's like a complimenting us. That's, yeah. that's really positive for us. That man is too beautiful. One, one thing before uh, before I go, yeah. this, is, this is a stupid plug to make. Please. Because it's not, nothing to do with me. Uh, after the, the three games that we played today, um, on the PlayStation One, there's a set of games called Roll Cage One and Roll Cage Two, mm. which um, are done by Psygnosis, and basically, I think it's the best version of this type of game um, because you've got overside wheels and you can drive upside down, and then there are different routes. Like so you can drive on the walls, you can drive on the ceilings, huh. and different routes give different versions of advantage, and they're brilliant. And then. There was a remake stroke reimagining of that mm-hmm. in 2016. So you get this on Steam. It's called Grip. Oh. And it's one of those little known games that got done out by like a small indie developer. I think I think I read somewhere that they got funded by a larger company as 
proof of concept. Get out and show us what you can do. Um, so somebody sent me that way and I downloaded it and I played it and Grip is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Okay. okay. That sounds cool. Fantastic so if you game. are uh, looking for a good future racer or just a good racer and a good Psygnosis A game expansion. where you can drive upside down. Yes. I, literally a game. So if you think of the likes of Pacific Rim or whatever, not Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Pacific Rift. So what was what the Motorstorm or whatever. Was oh, it? yeah, yeah, three. yeah. Um, or any of those sort of games. But you can just drive up the wall of a cliff because you've got a car that will allow you to drive up the wall of a cliff. That That's sounds, what Grip was. That sounds and great. It was brilliant. We'll check that one out. And uh, so thank you so much for taking the time and, and uh, uh, coming on our goofy little show. It's always a delight to podcast with you. And I hope to uh, do that many more times in the future, sir. Yeah, You're fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you. And, and uh, nice to meet you, Woody. Thank you, Ollie. Good to meet you, too. Thank you. Uh, tune in next week. We are, we're keeping the hits coming. We've got so many big games in, mm-hmm. in such a short period of time. Next week, we are playing Yoshi's Story. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, that's a kind of divisive game. Yeah, for some bust people, out so. some melons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not like that. No, no. <laughs> Put your shirt back on. Anyway, uh, so uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Find us on Ultra 64 Podcast at Twitter and Gmail. And uh, that's our website and everything. Just find us at that. Uh, keep 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 your analog stick in the neutral position. There we go. It was yeah. the sign off that we stole from <laughs> somebody sent that in. I loved it. So yeah. Uh, anyway, sleep well, everybody from Sony. I uh, hope you enjoyed Paro in my game for a while. <laughs> and I hope you liked playing F Zero. Yeah, Nintendo. <laughs>